Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Church, are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we are going to, uh, to begin. We're going to begin reading in verse number 10. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and this is kind of the, the closing uh, of his letter to them. And, and he's writing to them. And in verse number 10, here's what he says. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Excuse me, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For Shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Somebody say, stay alert. Stay alert, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers Everywhere, Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that, that we can gather together in your name, that we can gather together to, to celebrate who you are, what you are doing, what you are wanting to do, what you have done. And Lord, today we just want to pause for a moment. And, and if we haven't yet in the service to set our focus upon you, to set our hearts, to set our eyes, to set our mind upon you. Lord, as we examine your word, we recognize your word was never meant to be informational, but transformational. Lord, I pray that your word would transform our lives today as we seek to be doers and not just hearers of your word. God, would you have your way? Would you do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 This morning we are, are starting a new series, and the, the title of our series is Re-Engage. Somebody say Re-Engage. Re again, it's another re-word. This is a re-year. It's, it's a year of coming back to, of doing again. And before we move on, can we just recognize the, the incredible design and artwork that Christian put together? Go put it back up. Look at this. Like Christian doesn't get a whole lot of credit. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does. Christian is our media director. Can we just put our hands together for Christian? And the rest of the production team and the media team in the back. Listen, like when I started, that's where I started. I, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't always lead pastor. When I started, I started pushing buttons on slides for my dad. And the only time it feels like those people get recognized is when something goes wrong. And I, I understand, I empathize with that. And so today we just want to, to say thank you to you guys. But Christian put together this, this artwork for the series. He's like, you know, what is the heart behind the series? What are you wanting to communicate? What are we talking about? I'm like, I just, I want people to get back into the fight. And so this is where he went with it. And I'm glad that he did because this paints a very clear image in my mind. It's, 
It's boxing gloves and it's a boxing ring. And, and we all love a good fight, right? Some of you are like, no, that's brutal and it's wrong and it's nasty. And I wish they would take it off the TV. Listen, we all do. And for you, maybe it's not like hand-to-hand fighting, but you can watch your favorite romantic comedy and there is a fight, there is a struggle, there is a battle in that movie. You can watch your favorite Hallmark movie where the big city girl goes back to the small town and she has to fight against her past and she has to fight against those judging her and she has to fight against all of these things. It's a fight. And it just might not be a fight that, that, that you were thinking about, but we all enjoy watching a good fight. Some of us, and I wasn't old enough, but some of us grew up watching the, the rumble in the jungle and the thrill in Manila. I, I, I'm not that old. I don't remember. I have watched them uh, since, but, but I remember growing up and I remember the very first big fight that I watched. I remember sitting there and watching Mike Tyson bite off Evander Holyfield's ear and spit it onto the mat. It's like, yes, this is awesome. I remember watching, watching fights. I remember the first fight that I was ever in. Has anybody ever been in a fist fight? <laughs> My wife's like, no, I have. Your pastor has. It's okay. So if somebody was coming here, I'll know what to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, remember, I remember seventh grade which is crazy to think about because that's younger than my two oldest kids right now. But I remember being in seventh grade. I remember who I fought. Gabriel Riojas was his name. And I remember why we fought over Marcella Pacheco. And I remember, I remember seventh grade after school, it was like Blake Slaughterberger, 345, and, and behind the school we went, and, and I'd never been in a fight before. I, I had seen a few fights, and, and I just did what, what came into my mind, and so I went Mighty Ducks 2 on him, and I pulled his shirt over his head, and I just started like throwing. <laughs> like that's what, I, that's what I knew. I wasn't going to bite his ear off. I mean, I knew I could do that, but I wasn't going to do that. But but I remember, I remember being there. I remember, you know, being a, a kid and watching the Rocky movies. And I love the Rocky movies. Like, Pastor John, why are you going here? Because my kids, you have to understand, my kids just bought boxing gloves. 15, 14-year-old boys thought it would be a good idea to use their birthday money this year to go on Amazon and buy boxing gloves. Dad, we're going to buy boxing gloves. Like, no, you're not. Come on, dad, it's our money. We can, you always say like, you know, if it's your money, you can do what you want with it. Like it's my money, it's birthday money. I want to buy boxing gloves. Can we buy boxing gloves? No, you cannot. Come on, dad, it'll be so much fun. It's like in your mind, it will be fun. And the reason I, I know is because I remember being their age and me and my brother had boxing gloves. And I remember, I remember watching Rocky. And as soon as Rocky was over, we would go get our boxing gloves. And I always wanted to be Ivan Drago because he was, he was the big guy. Like, I'm Drago. And, and Jake's like, I'll, I'll be Rocky then. Like, no, you could be Apollo Creed. <laughs> and so we, we, would have these, we would have these moments where, where, you know, we watched this fight. And now, now I want to get in the fight. Now I, I want that to be me. There's something, at least in, in us men, that, that is stirred when you see something like that. And, and something rises up. Because in each and every one of us, there is this heart of a warrior that God has designed us and placed inside of us. And this isn't just for the men, but it's for the ladies as well. Because some of the, the, the greatest spiritual warriors that I know are women. Yes. 
And God has created us to be warriors and there is a battle that is raging around us and it's time for us to re-engage in the battle. It's time for us to get up off of our seats and our blessed assurances and get back into the battle that God has called us to, created us to, and, and, and designed us for. It's time for us to re-engage. We're, we're talking about the battle that's going on. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and, and he tells them, listen, there's, there's a battle that's, that's waging. It's raging all around us, and it's not a, a battle of flesh and blood, but it's a supernatural battle. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's a, it's a battle in the unseen realm, and today you and I need to engage in that battle. You say, okay, Pastor John, well, well how do I do that? What, what, what must I do to engage? The first thing that we have to understand if, if we are going to re-engage is we have to first recognize. We have to recognize the battle. Some of you need to recognize the battle that you're in and it's not against your wife and it's not against your employer and it's not against a political party and it's not against an ideology and it's not against the system of government and it's not against any of these other things. The battle that we are fighting is an unseen battle in an unseen realm. Paul writes in, in verse 12, he, he tells them it's not flesh and blood. It's against evil rulers. It's against authorities of the unseen world. It's against mighty powers in the dark world. Evil spirits in heavenly places manifesting themselves on the earth, manifesting themselves in all of these ways and in all of the things that we see. The division that we're experiencing right now in this country is not a, a, a earthly realm problem. The division that we experience, the division that we see, the division that we're, we're living in, that's not, that's not a, a blood and flesh thing. It's not us versus them. It's a spiritual battle that has been really going on from the beginning of time. So you need to recognize the battle that you're a part of. You need to recognize the battle that you have been born into, that you have been called to participate in. It's a battle that's been, been going on since pride rose up in Lucifer's heart and he tried to ascend to God's throne. Yeah. What did God do? God counters and kicks him out of heaven, sends him, sends him out of his presence and God decides to put mankind on the earth as his representatives here on this earth and, and the enemy counters in the garden by bringing separation and, and sin enters the world and wickedness begins to spread across the land and God counters by sending the flood. It's this battle that has been going back and forth. God calls Abraham and says, listen, I'm gonna create for me a people that are set apart for me. And what, is, what, is, what does the enemy do? He counters. God takes them into the promised land and the enemy counters by bringing other powers to, to rule and to reign over them. Jesus comes and God sends his son to redeem not just his people, but all of mankind. And what does the enemy do? He counters and has him crucified as a common criminal. Thought he won the battle. The enemy was, was, was riding high. He thought it was all over only for three days later, that stone to be rolled away. And Jesus comes walking out victorious over death, hell, and the grave with the keys to death itself. He says, the battle is not over. The battle is only just begun. 
He steps out, ascends into heaven, sends his spirit to us so that we can live victoriously in this life. But the enemy counters by sending depression and anxiety and worry and all of these other things. God called us as the church to be united as a witness to the world. And the enemy counters by sending division, not just to the world, but to the church. To where we can't even have a conversation with one another because there is so much division in our hearts and we've confused the battle. We've taken it from us versus the enemy of our soul to us versus my neighbor. You're never called to fight your neighbor. You're called to love your neighbor. It is never you versus your neighbor. It is you and your neighbor versus the enemy of your soul. That's the battle that we are involved in. And one day Jesus will come back riding on a horse, the trumpet sounding, and we will walk into eternal victory in that moment. But until then, there is a battle that you must fight. And there is a battle that I must fight. And there is a battle that each and every one of us have been created and called for. You have to understand that when you read God's word and you see all of these things playing out in God's word, it's like, man, that's crazy. Listen, it's not over. It's not over. You are a part of God's continuing story. You are a part of this this cosmic struggle that has been going on of light versus darkness, but my Bible tells me that in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, cannot, and never will overtake it. That's the light that we have, and we are called to fight. God came to Abraham, found Abraham, and said, Abraham, I'm going to to make you the father of many nations. God came to Moses, found Moses tending sheep and said, Moses, I'm gonna use you as a deliverer of my people. God found Gideon hiding in a wine press and said, Gideon, I'm going to use you as as a judge. God found David with a couple sheep and said, David, you will be the king. God found Elisha plowing fields and said, you will be my prophet. When, When God needed a queen, he found Esther. When God needed a builder, he found Nehemiah. When God needed to redeem all of mankind, he sent his son. When God needed a rock on which to build his church, he called a fisherman named Peter. When God needed someone to take the gospel into the known world at the time, he found Paul on the road to Damascus. When God needs something, he finds people that he made for such a time as this. Why do you think God put you here now? There's something that God needs in this day for his purpose, which is why you are here. You're not here because two people hooked up several years ago, however many it might be. You're not just here because your parents got together. You're not, you're, not, you're not here for any other reason than God looked down over the course of history and the battle that was raging and said, I need something special at this particular time. And with that in mind, he breathed life into you. Your existence is not coincidence, but your existence is with design and intent and purpose. And it's not for you to have a happy life. And it's not for you to have as much fun while you're here. It's for no other reason than to recognize the battle that is raging and to play your part. When you recognize that, when you have that understanding of your life, Right, like when you get up and you look in the mirror 
And when you do, it's like, man, not that, not that I'm so great. Not that I don't have flaws. Not that I never fail. Not that, not that, that aren't, there aren't things that God is still working out in me. But God, when, when you needed something done, you created me with design and intentionality to accomplish your will and to accomplish your purpose. And it's not that God can't do it without you. He can do it without you, but he's choosing to give you an opportunity to play your part in his story. But we have to recognize the battle that we're in. If we, if we read God's word and we see all of that and we understand that, that our lives are, are a part of this story, how can we not as followers of Jesus? Like, how, how, could we, how could we come and say, yes, I love Jesus, I want to live for Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, but I think I'm just going to sit on the sidelines of this one. I think, I think I'm just going to just have a nice, comfortable existence. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to bust any bubbles. I definitely don't want to bust my bubble. And so I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of hang out, let everybody else, everybody else do the fighting. It's like that. That scene in Braveheart I've told you about, there's this, there's this scene in Braveheart where there, this battle is, is going on and, and in the middle there's William Wallace and he's got the blue paint across his face and his giant sword and there's just like stuff flying everywhere. It's awesome and it's incredible. But if you look, if you look in the background behind William Wallace, there's two guys that are standing there with swords going like this. Like the extras, right? Like they know, they know the, the camera's not focused on us. Nobody's going to be watching us. Nobody's going to be looking at us. My name's not even going to be in the credits at the end of the movie. So why should I give any effort? I'm just going to ca- cash my check and, you know, whatever. So they're just standing there like, I, I think that a lot of times we as Christians, we read God's word and we see God moving and it's like, yeah, God, go ahead and do all of that, but I'm just an extra. I'm just going to cash my check and make heaven my home one day. And my name's not even going to be in the credits. No one's going to notice if I'm here. No one's paying attention to me. Like as followers of Jesus, how could we not want to jump in and be a part? I think there's several reasons. I think number one is ignorance. We don't recognize, we don't know we're in a battle. Well, you can't claim that anymore after today. So I'm sorry for taking that excuse away from you. I think ignorance is one. I think confusion is another. We mistake who our real enemy is. It's very easy for us as as having temporary existences on this earth to begin to look at temporary things and fight our wars against temporary things. It's very easy for us to confuse who the real enemy is. I think another reason why we don't engage is apathy. We just don't care. We hear about it and it's like, well, yeah, someone else will do that. One day I'm going to meet this someone else. Like they're the busiest person ever, right? (laughs) Like, hey, you should serve in kids ministry. Now someone else will do that. Who is this person that is doing everybody's jobs and fighting everybody's battles? Someone else. Well, I think apathy is, is a reason. I think confusion is a reason. I think ignorance is a reason. I think uncertainty is a reason. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know, we don't know, you know, what that means or what that looks like. How, how much am I committing here? 
Like, let me, let me know, give me a clear understanding of, of what's expected and, and the time commitment and all of these other things. You want me to fight this battle? I'm not really sure. I think unbelief is a reason. Unbelief is simply not trusting in God. Like, God, you want me to fight this battle? How do I know you're not going to abandon me? We don't say that with our, with our mouths, but we say it with our actions. We say it with our attitudes. God calls you to get into the battle like, ah, I don't think so. Why? Because I'm not, I'm not really sure that you've got my back. Listen, we have to understand that there is a real war that is raging around us every hour of every day. Now, understand me. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that when you get a flat tire, it's the devil's fault. Okay? There, there's sometimes where it's like, I'm sick, pastor, and my body's breaking down, and it's just that devil's out to get me. No, it's because you haven't had a salad in 13 years. <laughs> you, you haven't been to the gym since you can't even remember. You're poking holes in your belt because you're out. Like, how hard is it to outgrow a belt? There's like 14 holes. But we get to a point where it's like, give me a knife because I got to poke a new hole in my belt. Like we, we find ourselves in these situations and then want to blame the devil. And then poor devil's like, I didn't do that. Like that wasn't, that wasn't me. What did I do? Like that's not my fault. Listen, I'm not saying that there's a demon behind every curtain and I'm not saying every, every bad thing that happens in your life is the devil's fault because it's not. Sometimes we're just stupid. Sometimes we just make dumb mistakes. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes you just surround yourself with stupid people. That's not the devil. That's your BFF. You need to watch who you allow into your camp. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, 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 to make you aware of this battle so that you can over-spiritualize or that you can, you can begin to look for the enemy and all of the things because the, the question then becomes, what is your focus on? And if you're looking for the devil everywhere you go, you're going to see him. But if you're looking for God in everything that you see, you'll see his goodness and you'll see his grace. So, so change your perspective. Stop looking for the devil and everything and stop looking, start looking for the goodness of God. So we have to recognize, we have to recognize the battle. There's so many reasons why we don't engage. And as I, as I think about this idea of, you know, the uncertainty and the unbelief and the confusion and the doubt and the questions and the wondering, like, how can I? I'm taken back to, to the Old Testament where the, the children of Israel have come out of Egypt and they're at the banks of the Jordan and they're, they're about to go into the land that God has promised their ancestors for generations to, to plant them and to place them and to bless them with. And they're there and, and Moses, who is, has delivered them out of Egypt, sends spies into the land who come back and they're like, man, it's incredible. Look at the size of the fruit. There's milk, there's honey, it's bountiful, it's great, but there's big people there who live in big cities behind really strong walls. Caleb's like, well, we can do it. And the rest of them are like, no, I don't think that we can. Numbers chapter 13, let's look at what their response is. Go ahead and put that scripture up there. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Uncertainty, unbelief. 
they spread a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said that the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We are like grasshoppers. They said, we even saw the Nephilim, the giants. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. If we go, we don't stand a chance. They're called to go into this battle and their response is, I'm not sure. I'm a little scared. I'm a little concerned. I'm a little worried. I'm a little nervous. I don't really know how this is going to end out. Face value, it's not looking good for us. I suggest we turn around and go back to Egypt. Isn't it interesting that when faced with the, the opportunity and given the opportunity to fight for freedom... So often, many of us will choose to go back to bondage. There is a fight that is in front of you that you are called to participate in. But rather than doing the work and rather than picking up our weapons and rather than getting into God's word and rather than coming to church and rather than taking discipleship seriously and rather than praying for our families and rather than doing the things that we need to do to engage in the battle, we say, you know what? Maybe slavery wasn't that bad. It would be really nice if my marriage was incredible it would be really nice if I didn't battle with pornography every single day. Okay, then fight for it. Uh, maybe it wasn't that bad. That's their mindset here. It's right in front of you. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for this fight. Maybe we'll just go back to bondage. We have to recognize the battle. But the second thing that we have to do is we have to be willing to engage in the battle. If you're not willing to engage in the battle, you'll never walk in the fullness of the freedom and the victory that already has been purchased for you. Caleb was willing. Caleb and Joshua, they were ready. They wanted to get after it. Look at what, look at what Caleb says. Caleb tried to quiet them down. He said, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Why was Caleb so confident? Because he remembered coming out of Egypt. He remembered God's hand moving as they went out. He remembered the Egyptians giving them silver and gold on their way out. He remembered the Red Sea parting. He remembered waking up to manna on the ground. He remembered all the ways that God had provided on this journey. And now we're standing on the precipice of what was promised to us. And God has gone before us then, and he will go before us again. Why can't we do it? And everyone's like, no, no, it's too scary. We can't do it. Caleb's like, shut up, let's go. Pick up your sword, let's go to war. Caleb understood he wasn't fighting for victory, but from victory. The victory has already been given to us, but we still have to fight. You have to fight for your freedom. You have to fight for your purpose. You have to fight for your identity. You have to fight for your happiness. You have to fight for your joy. You have to fight for your peace. You have to fight for your contentment. The abundant life is yours, but you have to fight for it. Yeah. A fulfilled marriage is yours, but you have to fight for it. 
What you've been praying for your kids is yours, but you have to fight for it. Whatever, you, whatever you've been crying out to God for, listen, it's right in front of you. The question is, are you willing to fight for it? Are you ready to engage in the battle? Are you ready to, to, to play your part in this? Or are you allowing apathy or unbelief or uncertainty or fear or any of those other things to, to cause you to sit on the sidelines? So what was the result? Caleb, Joshua, like, hey, man, we can do this. Like, God said it's ours. Let's take it. Everyone else, two million people, like, no, this isn't a good idea. Consequences was that for the next 40 years, they wandered around in the desert. For the next 40 years, they wandered around in the desert until a generation who was willing and ready to fight came up. Until a generation who was willing to do the work and they go into the promised land. And even after they go into the promised land, God had, had, had given the entire land to them. They hadn't fully settled in it. They hadn't fully taken possession of it. And Joshua stands up before them one day and says, how long? How long are you going to wait? How long are you going to sit on your hands? How long until you do what God made you to do? How long until you take hold of the promise that you have? Joshua chapter 18, verse 3. He addressed them and says, how long are you going to sit around on your hands, putting off taking possession of the land that God has given you? How long are you going to sit on your hands, church? How long are you going to sit on your hands before you start standing up for righteousness? How long are you going to sit on your hands until you, until you put aside those differences and reunite under the banner of Christ? How long are you going to sit on your hands until you take hold of the victory and, and claim that and walk in that and fight for that in your marriage? How long are you going to start tiptoeing between God and the world, young person? How long are you going to sit on your hands until you pick up your weapon and you engage in the battle? How long? How long is it going to last? What are you waiting for? How long is it going to take? Don't wait another day. Don't let another day go by. Don't, don't let another moment go to waste. Don't let another battle come and go and, and, and look back and it's like, man, what could it have been like? But instead, fix your eyes on what lies ahead. Determine in your heart that from this point forward, I, I'm going to engage. From this point forward, the uncertainty and unbelief has no place in my mind. The fear has no place in my heart. The confusion. From this point forward, I'm willing to do the work. Reminds me, and this is the last scripture, and then we'll be done. It reminds me of, <laughs> of David in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We, you know, we, we know the story, David and Goliath. If you grew up in Sunday school, you probably remember the flannel graphs. Even if you didn't grow up in church and you thought David and Goliath just meant like a really good team was facing a really bad team and it was a David and Goliath game. Like we've all heard the reference. We all, we all know the, the story, but, but David is with his sheep and he's, he's tending his father's flock. The, the Philistines have come in and Goliath is there spouting challenges to the army of the Israelites every single day. For 40 days, he stepped forward and 
and offered this challenge. If anybody would come down here and kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you will be ours. Day after day, taunting them. David's brothers are all down at the battlefield and David's dad, Jesse, orders some Jimmy John's and sends David with Jimmy John's. He says, take this bread and this cheese to your brothers. Take these sandwiches to your brothers. Deliver it to the battlefield. David gets there with the Jimmy John's and he starts asking like, who's this guy? Who's this, this big guy over here that's, that's talking trash about my, my people and talking trash about my God? Like, who does this guy think that he is? And so people begin to tell him. He's like, okay, so, so what happens? Well, the, the, let's say hypothetically, I was to kill this guy. What would I get? Well, here's what you would get. Like anybody that kills this guy gets that. Yeah, anybody, whoever kills this guy, this is what they get. And, and about this time, David's brother overhears David's conversation. It's like, David, shut up. This is my translation, by the way. Like if you want, if you want an actual translation, go back and read it. You'll find it. First Samuel chapter 17. David's brother's like, David, shut up. Like you're so annoying. It's a younger brother, right? Like you're so annoying. Just go home. Like I, I know why you're here. It's the pride in your heart. You just want to watch the fight. You just, like, what happened? Where are those little sheep that you, you're supposed to be taking care of anyway? Like, why aren't you out there playing your harp to your sheep, David? Get out of here. Go away. David's response is, what did I do? What did I do now? And look at what he, look at what he says to his brother. He says, what did I do now? Is there not Is there not a cause? Pastor John, why are you, why are you yelling at us today? <laughs> You're not as funny as you normally are. Is there not a cause? Why do I need to go to, to battle? Is there, not, is there not a cause to believe? Is there not a cause to go to war? Is there not a cause to fight? Is there not a cause to stand up for? Is there not a cause to worship? Is there not a cause to gather together? Is there not a cause to, to, to rather than allow fear to control us, rise up in faith and stand on God's word? Is there not a cause to fight for your marriage? Is there not a cause to fight for your kids? Is there not a cause to fight for your future and, and your purpose and your destiny and your identity and your freedom in Christ? Is there not a cause? I think so many of us are like those Israelites who are there and we're dressed up for battle and we put on our Sunday best and we come into church on Sundays and there's a battle going on around us and we're just standing on the sidelines like, well, I, I can't wait for somebody to do it. Hopefully somebody will go to war for us. Man, there's a whole lot of division in our world right now. Somebody, somebody should start praying about that. My marriage is struggling. Somebody should, should change themselves because it's not me, it's them. Man, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Somebody, we're dressed up for battle, but we're allowing fear to keep us on the sidelines. David's brother says, I know why you're here. You came to watch the battle. And David's like, no, but if there's a battle, I'm going to fight in it. How many of us have that mindset? How many of us have that attitude that when it comes to the battle going on around us, rather than watching other people fight the battle, rather than watching other people 
come in and worship rather than hearing stories about the the victory and the freedom that other people have experienced. When are we going to start doing it for ourselves? The, The victory is there. It's paid for. Your freedom is there. It's been paid for. Your purpose is there. It's been paid for. Your destiny is there. It's been paid for. The legacy you want to leave to your generations that follow is there. It's already been paid for. You just have to put in the work and do the work and be willing to engage in the fight. We look at all of these things going on around us and it's like, man, I wish this was different. I wish that was different. I wish it wasn't like this. I wish it wasn't like that. All these different battles, again, we're not, these aren't earthly battles. These aren't flesh and blood battles. These are spiritual battles manifesting themselves in this way. I wish we could get victory over this. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish it didn't look like this. I wish there was unity. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish all these things, all these battles that are in front of us. Hopefully someone goes and fights it. You have to be willing to engage. You have to recognize the battle, but I want to leave you with this. The battles that you have in your life, you will never You will never find victory in those things until you're willing to fight. You'll never win the fight if you don't engage. You'll never engage if you don't recognize what's going on. It's all around us. God has looked down and created you for such a time as this. Your existence is not meaningless. Your existence is not coincidence. Your existence is not some scientific biological byproduct. Your existence was designed by the creator of the universe because there is a role that you play in his story. And the question is, will we engage? Not fighting for, but fighting from victory, walking into the fullness of everything that he has for us. Because if God before me, who can be against me? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Mm, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. We are humbled. That as you look down on your creation, it's not that you it's not that you need us because if you if you use the donkey and if you can use a weasel we know that you can use any of us in anything so it's not that it's not that you need us but it's that you choose us and you choose to use us we are humbled by that Lord as we go from this place today I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding that we would go with a new perspective and a new mindset, not looking for the enemy behind every curtain, but, but looking for you in all things, recognizing that there is a spiritual battle going on, not a flesh and blood principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. So Lord, it's happening. It's manifesting itself in our world. But Lord, as we go to battle, may we not be confused about who our enemy is. God, forgive me for shooting arrows at my neighbor thinking that they were my enemy. 
Lord, as we go, I pray that fear would have no place in our lives. That unbelief would have no place in our minds. But God, that we would go forth knowing that the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That in all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. So Lord, help us to recognize the battle. But Lord, it's not enough to recognize it. We have to be willing to play a part in it. And so Lord, I pray that that heart of a warrior would rise up within each and every one of us here in person and those watching online. God, the battles that are going on in the the fight that's in front of us, the fight that we have been called and created for. Lord, I pray that, that you would stir us to run into the battle. Even as David, is there not a cause? God, we see causes all around us. The question is, are we willing to do something? God, as we go from this place today, I thank you for your protection. I thank you for your leading, for your guiding. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for your, mer- your, your mercy and your faithfulness. God, as we go from this place, would you guard our minds? Would you guard our hearts? Would you guard our thoughts? Even as Paul wrote to the Ephesian church to put on the armor of God, and we'll get into this in this series, put on the armor. God, may we, may we put on the armor that you've given us, taking up the weapon that you've given us and run into the battle, prepared to go to work. God, we thank you and we love you this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Listen, this morning, our prayer team is back down here. During worship, there was an incredible moment. Again, we're here to minister to you, to to agree with you, um, to go to war with you and for you. And this is part of what that war looks like. And so if you have any need in in your life, you want to stand in for somebody, you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, that's why we're here today. If not, feel free to be dismissed. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.